Hey, thank you for being in worship with us this morning here at IBC. Listen, one thing that we're excited about is that Emmanuel has always been about standing on the word. And today we're going to be looking at John chapter 15 into John chapter 16 as we talk about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Now we've been walking through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation through this year. And we are at the point in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit is being explained. It's being brought up. Now, in order to make this come alive, I'm going to ask you a little bit of a personal question. And feel free to be honest, this is a safe place. But how many of you would say that you accepted Christ after you became an adult? Raise your hand. All right, we got probably about 15, maybe 20% of people. That's great. Now, listen, for you, I have a feeling that you guys have understood a little bit more about the Holy Spirit because you guys have depended on him to be a guide for you. I think that for us that grew up in the church, that grew up in the faith, that became a Christian early on in our life, I don't think that we recognized what was really happening. I don't think that we gave the Holy Spirit full credit for guiding us because it was such a natural transition for us. I want to help things make sense a little bit. Have you guys ever landed on a plane, landed in a foreign country that you've never been to before, didn't speak the language by yourself? Now, I've done that once. There was one time I landed on a mission trip by myself and the person that I was waiting for did not show up to come and get me. Now what this looked like was pretty intriguing. I didn't speak the language. I did not know where to go. Going through immigration, what I didn't expect is they said, now where are you staying? And I said, well, I'm staying with a friend in this country. Well, what's the address? I have no idea. He's coming to get me. Well, sure enough, they let me through, which is by the grace of God. I get through, and I'm standing there on the curb, and I waited for hours. Now, I didn't know how to call because my phone didn't even work in that country. I didn't even really know how to get a phone call through on a pay phone there. And I had nobody I could ask because I did not speak the language. And even if I would have rented a car and dared to drive, I did not know how to get from point A to point B. And let me go ahead and tell you, when you accepted Christ, you became an immigrant. What I mean by that is this. God's word says that you are not of this world because I chose you out of this world. And because of that, here's what's going on. The things that happen in this world is not going to make sense to us. We are not going to understand the sinful culture that exists here. So what do we need? In order to get from point A to point B, in order to live a life for Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us, to teach us, to mold us. Now, I am sure that because we have so many different denominational backgrounds in this room, there are so many different views and opinions on the Holy Spirit. And that is great. Here's what we're going to do today. We're simply going to look at what the Word has to say about the Holy Spirit as seen in the book of John. Now, with that being said, I want for you guys to understand the Holy Spirit is necessary. I feel like often we try to make less of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me explain something to you. If anybody is ever into music and you've ever heard a trio sing, I would, equiv I would give the equivalent of the Holy Spirit as the bass part. Because here's the thing. Nobody really talks about the bass, right? Nobody really brags about the bass, but when the bass isn't there, you sit there and you go, man, I don't know what it is, but something's missing. It just doesn't sound 
is good. Did you guys hear that last song that we sang? See, that last song we sang, all of a sudden, our bass on the praise team, I watched him. He ate that microphone. He got real close to it. And my goodness, it brought something new to the sound, doesn't it? When your bass is good, ooh, buddy, you don't think they're important until you got a bad one or until one's not present. And then you recognize how much it could bring to the table. Listen, the Holy Spirit is often ignored. It's often unappreciated. But let me go ahead and say this on the other end. I think it's often misused. I think often what we try to do is we try to make the bass singer in the trio. We try to make the bass singer into the lead singer. And according to God's word, he was never called to be the lead singer. You recognize that? See, God's word says that he never intended for the bass to play the lead role. Look at this. In John chapter 16, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak. Hear this. He will not speak of his own authority. So the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Then what does it say? He will glorify himself. No, it doesn't say that. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit makes much of Jesus. Now, we recognize in the Trinity that they are all equally part of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are all equally God, but yet they are all different in function. They are all yet different in role. And the Holy Spirit's role is to what? Make much of the gospel to come into the heart and life of a believer and use that believer and empower that believer to do the things of the Lord. I am excited to talk about this today. See, I think that all of us could use a little bit of tweaking about what we believe the Holy Spirit is. Let me tell you something. Last week during Labor Day, me and my wife snuck off and we went and bought ourselves a new bed, new mattress. We went into this place in Longview. We shopped around. We were looking. I did all my research. We finally found one. And yesterday it came in. Now, when the guy, the salesman, sits you down on these beds, we had the fortunate ability to show up on Labor Day when all those deals were. And see, what they have with these deals is they said, listen, you pay for the mattress, but we give you the adjustable base for free. Hmm, I'm down. Now, here's the thing. How helpful is this adjustable base? I told Laura Ashley, I said, we're not going to get the adjustable base because I really don't need a bed that's going to fold up. This is just not my desire. And I also have the fear that in my sleep it'll taco me. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Terrifying. But we end up sitting on the bed, and the salesman goes, now just watch this. I'm going to put a 15-degree incline on your feet. Zzzz. He said, did that feel better? And I said, I didn't think my back hurt. But when you, when you did that, it's a, it, it made my back stop hurting, and I didn't even know it was hurting. This is good. And last night, let me just go ahead and tell you, I got in the bed and I, I played with it for about 45 minutes. And Laura actually got frustrated with me because she's trying to sleep. And all night long, I'm like, zip, 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 zip. It was great trying to find that perfect spot. But here's what I want to tell you. Just a little bit of tweaking, just a little change can make the world of difference. And we're going to make a little bit of a change on how we view the Holy Spirit based upon God's word today and God's word alone. See, 
let's just set this up. See, in John 15 and 16, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. But right before that, he's talking to his disciples. And he's expressing over and over and over again the need for them to abide in his love. Abide in his word. Abide in him. Remain with him. Remain in his presence. Remain in his love. Remain in his teachings. And then he says, I'm about to leave you. I'm about to go. Now, this is terrifying for the disciples. They have been with Jesus for three and a half years. They have loved his teaching. And every single time they needed Jesus, he was there. Every time that they called out to him, he was there. When they were on the sea by themselves and things got scary, what happened? They cry out and Jesus walks on the water. What happens when they had questions about prayer? Jesus answered. What happened when they were scared? Jesus comforted. They were used to Jesus being there. And then he says this, I am about to leave. Recognize how scary that was for them. Recognize how terrifying that was for them. They are so used to him being there and his presence being available. And he's saying, guess what? I am about to go. Let's look at John chapter 15 verses 26 and 27 into 16. But when the helper comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So what do we see right from the beginning? When the Holy Spirit comes, you will bear witness he will bear witness, you will bear witness. Now, this leads right into John chapter 16, verse 1. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering a service to God. Do you see how extreme this is? Verse 3. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember what I told you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. So Jesus just says some really tough information. This absolutely terrifies them, because he says, guess what? I'm about to leave. Things are going to get really bad really bad. People are going to come against you and think that they're serving the Lord by killing you. That's how bad things are going to get. So I'm leaving. Things are about to get really, really rough. But fortunately, he adds one more statement. I am sending help. Look at verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is great information. That word of advantage. See, the KJV uses the word experience. It means profitable. It means for your good, for your advantage. Jesus leaves his disciples, but he's saying, listen, it is even better for you that I leave because I'm sending somebody and it's going to be even a better situation for you. Now, what does that mean? Now, like I said before, they were in the presence of God. 
They were in the presence of God. Now, before that, the presence of God would reside in what? The temple, the tabernacle, the holy of holies in the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes to be the presence of God in human form in front of them that they were with. They got to be in his presence whenever they desired. But what happens when the Holy Spirit comes? They're no longer going to have to be in the presence of God. God's presence is going to be in them. See significance here? See, the Holy Spirit comes so we don't have to walk into God's presence. God's presence has walked into us when we accepted Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Recognize that, church. Recognize the power in that. Recognize the blessing in that. Recognize, and we're going to focus on this, the responsibility in that. The Holy Spirit resides in you so that it can do a good work in you. And through you. Do you remember that old school song? He who began a good work in you. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Listen, that's a great song. But I think what we think about is, oh, that great God that started that good work to fix us. See, God did a good work in you so you could do a good work in others. And the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in you is not just to make you Feel good. See, I don't really notice that in text. What I do see about the Holy Spirit is a little bit deeper than that. Verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world. Key. Concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Three things. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So we see the purpose of the Spirit. The main purpose of the Holy Spirit is what? According to this text, as clear as day, it is conviction. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Right here, conviction. And we see that in three different forms. The conviction of sin. But it doesn't just say the conviction of sin and leave it broad. It actually talks about the main sin, the main problem, the main issue. What is the main sin, the only sin that we're really worried about in this instance? The sin of unbelief. See, that is the sin that sends people to hell. Not the sin of doubt, don't get me wrong. Not the sin of doubt, the sin of unbelief. If you choose to not believe in the Jesus who died on that cross for you, you do not inherit eternal life. Recognize this, and that's what he's trying to say, the conviction of sin of unbelief. Now, the word convict is actually a legal term that they're using, which is the same term they would use to convict somebody of a punishment, to convict them of death, to convict them of a crime. And what he's saying is not only will you be convicted of a crime, but you will be sentenced with a punishment. Verse 8 and 9, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. See, we talk all the time about sin, and we get really caught up in sin, and we really want to talk about sin, and we want to help other people overcome their sin. And one thing I want for us to understand is before we've addressed their lack of salvation, their lack of belief, none of that other stuff is really going to fall into place. Let me go ahead and tell you, I think that the church, capital C church, has spent way too much time trying to make bad people into good people. 
We want to spend way too much time taking people that are addicted to things and get them unaddicted to things rather than address, addressing their lack of relationship with Jesus. See, their lack of relationship with Jesus is often the problem. Their lack of relationship with Jesus is why they are chained to sin in the first place. And what we often want to do is fix the symptoms of the problem rather than to fix the issue itself. See, when all we want to do is take people that are drunkards and get them sober without ever trying to deal with where they're going to spend eternity, guess what? We just sent a sober person to hell. What do we need to focus on? We need to focus on first, before we can do anything for their sin, we have to tackle their sin of unbelief, their lack of repentance, their lack of commitment to Jesus. All of that goes together. I do not believe that anybody can be a Christian without having belief that Jesus is who he says he is. What does it take for somebody to be saved? That they will confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord and rose from the dead. Boom, verbatim. There's no other way around it. Jesus cares about our belief. Belief dictates what we do. When we look at the most popular scripture in all of the Bible, what do we find? John 3, 16. Believe, believe, believe. For whoever does not believe in me will perish. But whoever does believe in me will have everlasting life. And the Holy Spirit is coming to convict those. See, I heard a story. If you ever see a wormhole in an apple, feel free to eat it. Because there's no worm in it. The hole did not let the worm in. It let it out. So how did the worm get into the apple? They are born in the apple. The insect lays eggs in the apple blossom. And when the apple is formed, it is formed with the worm on the inside. So the worm eats his way out, not his way in. We were born with a sin nature. We were born into sin. And the one sin that condemns a person forever is their lack of Belief, the deliberate knowing rejection of Christ. To turn your back on Jesus Christ is the unpardonable sin because it is the mother of all sins. The Holy Spirit comes to convict people of their lack of belief. But then the next thing we see is this, the conviction of righteousness. Now this goes right into 10 where Jesus says, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Now why did Jesus add that in there? Why did Jesus say, I have to send him concerning righteousness because I'm leaving? Because Jesus, who lived the perfect life, was convicting of righteousness in itself. See, the disciples who were around Jesus all the time were convicted that they were not righteous because they were constantly standing next to the one who was. It is really easy to recognize that you're not in shape when you're standing next to somebody who is. It's really easy to recognize that you were not righteous when you stand next to Jesus. And Jesus walking and living and handling and reacting to things in life that came up to them, they all recognized that they were not righteous because they saw a Jesus that was totally forgiving. They saw a Jesus that was totally loving. They saw a Jesus that did not struggle with sin the way that they struggled with sin. And it was a constant reminder that they were not Righteous. There is no one righteous. No, not one. What Jesus is trying to get through to them is you need to always recognize that you without me are unrighteous. You without me are not 
good enough. You without me will never get to heaven. Your righteousness adds up to nothing more than filthy rags in the eyes of our Savior. In the eyes of our holy God, your good works mean absolutely nothing. And it's all about inheriting his righteousness. Now, for, in order for anybody to come to faith in Christ, in order for anybody to ever believe that Jesus is the Savior, they first have to realize that they are not. In order for them to realize that they are in the need of forgiveness, they need to recognize that they are guilty and that they are unrighteous. You can never get somebody saved until they first recognize and realize that they are lost. That is the other power of the Holy Spirit, the conviction that we are not righteous. And then we see, lastly, the conviction of judgment. One day, all believers will stand before, all unbelievers will stand before the great white throne judgment, and they will be judged on whether or not they knew Jesus, whether or not they believed. And the punishment is always the same. He says that the Holy Spirit will convict and use believers to make unbelievers aware of what's coming. See, God wants to empower us and embolden us to be used by the Holy Spirit to make much of Jesus. Like I read previously, the Holy Spirit does not want to make much of itself. It wants to make much of the Godhead as a whole. It wants to make much of the gospel. It wants to make much of the Savior. And when we see in verse 8, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Verse 11, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. When a sinner refuses, refuses the righteousness of Jesus, when a sinner refuses the righteousness of Jesus, the punishment is what? The punishment is in eternity without his presence. Eternity in hell. So when we recognize that there is conviction of judgment, here's why I say all this, church, because we are called to be used by the Holy Spirit to do something about it. Now, what in the world are we supposed to do? Well, we should allow the Holy Spirit to come and fill us, to overtake us, to use us. Now, to a bunch of different denominations, this means something completely different. And I'm going to be honest with you. As I was studying this text, I had my opinions and my views and my thoughts and my theology of the Holy Spirit tweak a little bit. And, man, it has been a great change and a great change in my thought process because when I look at when the Holy Spirit came upon people, it always caused them to do something specific. Every single time we hear the word the Holy Spirit came upon, somebody was filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody had an encounter with the Holy Spirit of God. It caused them to do something. Now listen, a lot of different people have a whole lot of different meanings of that word. We're just going to use exactly what God's word says. So if we look at Luke chapter 1, it's referring to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is... He's, the Lord is talking to John the Baptist's mother and father. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have a joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and... Hmm. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before them in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. 
So what's going to happen? John the Baptist is saying that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he would use words in order to convict others to follow Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah. And she entered into the house of Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, John the Baptist, the baby, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she did what? She exclaimed, she proclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Keep going down to Luke 1, verse 67. And his father, Zechariah, was what? Filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, he spoke out, saying, blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Now let's look at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled, the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, in this instance, what is it talking about? The apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in languages that they did not know, but known languages that the listener did. And as they spoke, everyone around was able to understand the gospel in their own native tongue because the Holy Spirit had filled them and caused them to do what? To act, to talk, to proclaim. I always see whenever there's a filling of the Holy Spirit, words follow. Acts chapter 4, verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? And Peter goes off right here. This is great. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. So what happens when somebody gets filled with the Holy Spirit? They proclaim Jesus. They proclaim the goodness of God. They push forth the gospel. That's what's happening here. When this phrase is used in scripture every single time, they make much of the Lord. Mm, Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Last one, Acts chapter 9, verse 17. And Ananias departed and entered the house, laying his hands on him, brother Saul, who would one day be the apostle Paul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me, so that you may regain your sight and do what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was, in, he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Whenever we see somebody being filled with the Holy Spirit, having an encounter with the Holy Spirit, what happens? They evangelize. They talk 
about the Jesus that saved them. They talk about the Father that loved them. They make much of their Savior because that's what the Holy Spirit prompts us to do. See, the Holy Spirit convicts people of their sin, and he uses the gospel coming out of our mouths to do it. See, I think all too often we can get caught up in all these debatable things about the Holy Spirit. We can get caught up in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We can get caught up in the expressions of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want to ask you today. Are you living out the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? I don't care about those other details today. What I care about is if you are truly living out the empowerment that Christ has given you to proclaim his truths to others. See, here's the thing. Just to be straight up honest with you guys. Churches want to debate. Churches want to argue. Churches want to get upset. And no matter where you stand on some of these side issues, you and I can be great, great friends. But here's where I stand with you. When you accepted Jesus, you got the entire access to the Godhead. Meaning, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resided in you upon salvation. Saying that, you know what that means? That means that you have the ability, and not just the ability, the charge, the orders to go and to make disciples, to go and to proclaim God's truth and God's love to others. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit convicts people of sin, and He wants to use your love to do it. He wants to use you to go out into the highways and the byways to make much of Jesus. This is what I see when I look at scripture. Listen, however you want to express the Holy Spirit, that really is between you and God. But here's what I want to ask you. When you get done with however you want to worship, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep the Holy Spirit to yourself? Or are you going to go out and make much of Jesus through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit which resides in you? That's what we need to be focused on, church. That's what we need to pay attention to. That's what we need to get excited about. And can I just go ahead and tell you that that right there is unifying. That is uniting. Church, we were gifted God inside of us. The presence of God resides in us. See, in the Old Testament, in order to encounter the presence of God, they would have to walk into the temple. See, back then, if you would say, hey, we need to have church, or where is the church? You would point to a building because the Holy Spirit would reside in the Holy of Holies. But now, if somebody were to say, where does the Holy Spirit reside? Where is the church of God? We don't point to a building. We point to you. Because the Holy Spirit resides in you, empowering you to make much of Jesus. To tell others about Jesus. Guess what? I, I heard this the other day. And can I just, I promise you, I don't want to get angry. I don't. But it, oh, it brings up some holy anger. Never, ever, ever say if you're a Christian that you are not gifted with the gift of evangelism. Guess what? If there's anything you were gifted with, you were gifted with the ability to tell people about the Jesus that saved you. If you were gifted with anything, you were gifted with the ability to tell somebody. I don't care how you do it. There's all kinds of different ways to tell people about Jesus. You don't have to be a street preacher. You don't have to proclaim from a pulpit. But I do think you need to lovingly put your arm around somebody that Christ places in your life and love them enough to tell them about the same Jesus that saved you and the same Savior that resides in you. 
Don't you want for other people to experience that? Don't you want for other people to be able to make much of Jesus with you? My goodness. Church, let me just tell you. We make so many excuses as to why the gospel can't go forward through us. And can I go ahead and tell you? I think God gets insulted. See, if you were to talk about me and you were saying, man, I don't think Sean can do this or I don't think Sean can do that or and it was something I knew I could do, I would stand up for myself. I stand up for myself. And you know what? I can't accomplish that. I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, I think all too often in our own lives, we make excuses. Well, you know, I'm not really equipped to do that. Guess what? God did equip you to do that. God did equip you to make much of the Savior. Because the moment you accepted Jesus, you inherited the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we recognize that we are the temple because the Holy Spirit resides in us. So wherever we go, the light and the love of Christ goes with us. See, the disciples were so scared because the presence of God was leaving them. But what they didn't realize was that they were no longer going to have to go to the presence of God. The presence of God was coming into them. We are empowered. We are equipped. We are emboldened, but we are charged. Hear that. We are charged. I pray that we will live out the main, the main, the biggest concept, the biggest reason why we have the Holy Spirit is so that we personally would feel convicted and lovingly convict others so that they can also respond to the gospel. Listen, in a moment, we're going to open up the altar. If you want to come and talk to me, you have questions about joining the church, you want to get baptized, you want to get saved, you have questions about salvation, or if you just need prayer, myself and Jeremy will be available. But please, 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 don't leave this building today without being confident that you're a Christian and have the Holy Spirit residing in you. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to make much of you. God, we thank you that we have the ability to have the Holy Spirit reside in us so that we can in turn proclaim your truths. Without him, we can accomplish nothing. But with the Holy Spirit empowerment, God, we can accomplish anything that you will for us to do. Lord, we're so grateful for you. God, I pray you will soften the hearts as only you can do. In your name we pray.